At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. All righty, gang, welcome. Your saltwater guide, Captain Dave Hansen. I have a really, really special show for you today. We got my really, one of my very best friends in the whole wide world, Todd Manns, are going to be joining us today. And this is a tribute to Todd's boss. And you're probably going to witness Todd and I crying on this show, gang, because this is a very emotional show for me. And I know Todd was just on here a month and a half ago, but this is a special day today. We've got to talk. Todd lost his boss yesterday. Very emotional day for Todd. And it's going to be an emotional show. So let's bring the legend Todd Manser in here and let's talk about Ralph for a little while, Todd. Come on in. Hey, buddy. Hey, guys. Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty amazing man. You know, in, in this world, in this career that I've chosen and, and this life that we've lived on the water, it's very rare that you meet somebody like Ralph Brandy. And I've been very fortunate. I've hit so many balls out of the park when it comes to working for great people that I've ended up being on the same boat with the same owners for, for years after years. I mean, it, it, it started off, you know, as a kid working for your dad and, and your family, David, and then eventually graduating into running the Sun Fund for near a decade. And then I was picked up by Bo Boyd at Disney and I worked for him for near a decade, but nothing compares to having somebody like Ralph Brandy as your boss and your friend and your mentor for over 20 years. Yep, Ralph was, Ralph was, I'll let you grab yourself here. Ralph was a giant part of Todd's life, a giant part of Dana Wharf Sport Fishing. And Ralph was just a super special human being and he treated you like you were his son. He treated you I mean, the love that you two shared with each other was absolutely incredible. Yeah, in fact, I was so I was trying to, you know, some of the top pictures of, of Ralphie, Ralphie and I, Ralphie on his boat. And I started thumbing through pictures from the last 20, 23 years with Ralphie. And as I was going through all these pictures on my computer and my phone, and in between each photo of Ralphie, I'm thumbing through pictures of my family and my lifestyle and my, my, my luxuries of life and the things that, I, that I've accomplished. And, and in between every picture of Ralphie that I looked at was, was a picture that wouldn't be there if it weren't for Ralphie. I mean, he gave me so many just absolute wonderful opportunities and yeah he did he got to watch your boys grow up not your first two boys so, but your, he got to watch all four of them grow up. so when i met ralphie i was running the captain hook two for Bo boyd and we were we had this guy named steve babbage 
we called the bear uh, booking charters for us. And man, this guy, he could sell, you know, ice cream to an Eskimo. I mean, this, he was, he was one heck of a salesman. And so he had that boat booked seven days a week during the season. And we're getting ready to load up same dock I'm at right now. We'd load passengers about nine o'clock at night for our overnight trips. This is 1997. And down comes these four guys, Ralph Randy, Jim Peterson, Rob Bogelsang, and their friend Barry. And, you know, just to me at the time, it's just another group of guys. Uh, we take them out fishing like we take everybody fishing. And lo and behold, these guys turn out to be the biggest part of my life. And not just Ralphie, but all three of them. So here in a few minutes, uh, actually, Elliot, there's a picture of the three of them without Barry, Jimmy, Rob, and Ralph uh, next to a big tuna. Uh, these three guys yeah. have been the biggest part of my life uh, than anybody else. I mean, so Rob Bogelsang, who's on the left, I've known since I was 15 years old. David, he used to come out fishing with Mike Thompson and us on Larry Burson charters on the Amigo. The first time he met me, I had orange hair and was breakdancing out in front of the Jolly Roger. <laughs> and yes, I did that folks. Uh, and, and he would come out Albacore fishing with us and I've known him ever since. So, but I don't recognize him. He comes down to the boat and Jim Peterson comes down to the boat and Jim Peterson, who's on the right uh, is really Ralph's, right-hand man and and everything they did in business these guys were brilliant uh they were the brains and the success behind microsimi which in the end ended up selling for over 10 billion dollars these guys really knew what they were doing a publicly traded company that just went absolutely perfect jim peterson is married to sheila bellinger gary bellinger worked for dana war sport fishing her brother he owned, he was part owner of uh, a boat that ran out of here, uh, the Patrician, for, for years. Uh, you know, the triple screw that you and I have talked about in some of our podcasts. And she was my babysitter my entire childhood. And now here comes this guy that I've never met before down the dock to come out fishing with me on the Captain Hook too. So I've got these three amigos, Ralph, Jimmy, and Rob, coming down to the dock. We take them out fishing and their, their buddy, Barry, who I've lost contact with, but he's just an amazing guy. Did a lot of trips with them. Um, I think he lives in North Carolina or South Carolina now, but Ralph, Jimmy and Rob were, they were the cornerstone of, of everything that these guys, they, we, they got on the boat that day, by the way, I got to tell you, we had 104 albacore on that trip. We were albacore fishing overnight, fishing the butterfly. And on that trip, it was I mean, you know how good Albacore fishing got, David. I mean, it was just in the corner, eating everything, every bait. It got down to where we were fishing them just on, you know, just catching them on swim baits because we ran out of bait. Uh, but just an absolute first impression with these guys. And they started booking the boat every couple of years. I mean, pardon me, every couple of weeks uh, during the season for, for a few years. And then as Barton Boyd, the CEO of Consumer Products at Walt Disney, and an amazing man, and another mentor in my life uh, retired. They wanted to try to fit me somewhere without just leaving me high and dry. 
So Ralph Randy, Jim Peterson, Bo Boyd, and Kelly Boyd all invested in buying the Mirage from Glenn, Steve Lasley's boss, to let me go sword fishing. Because at that time in 2002, the sword fishing was phenomenal. We were we were just knocking the, the piss out of them. Um, and we had great pilots. And we had great coverage. And we had great experience. And we had great conditions. And and so they, they bought into that, the four of them. And the deal was I would fish the season sword fishing. And then they would come out once in a while during the season, enjoy the trip, catch whatever was out there. You know, they held permits themselves so they could be on the boat. And then in the off season, we'd take the boat down to Mag Bay, Cabo and, and go fishing. And that was working out great. And then around 2005, the uh, microsemi uh corporation was going through the roof these guys were they were hitting home run after home run after home run and they came to me and said hey listen kid uh we've got a plan for you we've got an idea uh, why don't we sell this swordfish boat you've been working your ass off seven days a week putting in you know just an immense amount of time to to make it all work we're proud of you but you know we'd like to buy something that that you could run and operate maybe we fish some tournaments maybe we you know do some traveling and we ended up buying the boardroom uh that was in 2005 and you're uh, on it right now right and i'm on it right now yep i'm sitting in the wheelhouse right now and so we uh we started off uh you know just enjoying you know monthly trips and then waiting for that first season to come uh for fishing marlin tournaments now for a lot of you that are new to the sport fishing industry in Southern California, we had an amazing tournament series in Southern California for decades, which there's a few charity tournaments, but there's nothing like what we had uh, back in the seventies, eighties, nineties, and early 2000. Uh, it really fell apart around 2008 when the economy crashed, that was enough to tip it off and it was over. But in, in 2005, when we bought the boat, they were still going strong. The Catalina Classic, the Rosies, the Zane Gray, uh, the San Diego Offshore Invitational, all these tournaments were, were drawing in, you know, hundreds of anglers and hundreds of boats. And it was very exciting for Ralph and myself and Jimmy to be a part of this. And then we went and we started after those tournaments, which started uh, the first week of September and went to the last week of September. We'd get ready there that last week of September after that tournament. We'd pack our bags, load the boat up with supplies, and we'd head down and we'd fish the Bisbees. And we did this for years. And we had just an amazing time. In fact, I wish I could have found it, but Michael Folks has a video of Ralph on the back deck of the boardroom in the Mazelon El Cid tournament. And he interviews Ralphie. And the interview is classic because it explains Ralphie very well. Ralphie, he's, they're asking him, Ralphie, how he loves these tournaments, how he loves the Mazelon tournament. He says, this Mazelon tournament is exceptionally fun. The way that it's put on, the captain's meetings, uh, the casino night, all these things are fun. And if it wasn't fun, I wouldn't be doing it. But we are having fun. It was just a great interview with him. But and and as we started going uh, in into this you know this life of, of Ralphie in the boardroom now, Ralphie and I started to become very close. Ralphie's passion for fishing was unsurpassed. Uh, he 
I, I if Ralphie was happy catching anything, if we could go sand app fishing, he was happy. If we went hoop netting, he was happy. If we went out and just caught rockfish, he was happy. And I shouldn't say just caught rockfish. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I think it was one of Ralphie's favorite things to do. And the opener was amazing, by the way. Uh, the, the quality that we had out on the 14-mile bank was unbelievable. But he just he loved every aspect of fishing. But as we started to mature in the way that we operated the boardroom, Ralphie found a love for a destination that I have loved for years, Magdalena Bay. And fishing out of Mag Bay or Santa Maria Bay, and I, I think we have a picture, Elliot, of the boat coming out of Santa Maria Bay. There's Ralphie fishing some marlin there. Uh, where's that picture of Ralphie? There right it there. is. So this picture was taken by Barry Breitenberg and sent to me. And this is, this is probably my favorite destination I've ever been to by boat. I absolutely love this place. It's not just the fishing. It's everything about it. It's the families that work in the surf camp. I mean, in the fish camps, it's the, the guys that are, that are at the surf camps. It's the, the camaraderie there. It's the other boats and the way that we interact with each other while we're there, the serenity of it all. But I think most importantly, it is not one, one bit been exploited by anything. There's no hotels, there's no water, there's no electricity, but yet you have communities that live in these fishing villages that are some of the happiest people on earth. Now, Dave, you spent a little bit of time. Uh, so, yeah, in let me talk right for here. a second. Yeah. So Todd and I were going to Cabo. Todd was on the boardroom and I was on a 43 Michelson. We were going to Cabo to go fish the Bisbees. And we both leave real early because we're going to fish our way down. And we're buddy boating. And uh, he's out at uh, San Benitas and I'm at Cedros. And we're, we're down in the, in the midst of it. And we stumble onto some wide open yellowtail fishing at Cedros. And I called Todd. He's over at Benitas. And he comes flying around the corner and he gets over there just about the end of the bite, catches a couple. I got Dwayne Diego on his very first trip to Cabo on a boat. And I got another guy who's a big time underwater filmer, uh, videographer. And it's just him, me, Dwayne and, uh, and uh, Paul. And we're, we're having fun catching these yellowtail and we're cruising along and it, the bite's over now and, we're headed down. We're going to go fish Natividad and we're going to go fish some calico bass. And Todd's back behind us about four or five miles. We get just to the boiler rocks on the inside part of Natividad and uh, the boat just stops, just absolutely stops running. So uh, I called Todd and he's coming to save me. And we are inside these boiler rocks at Natividad and we shouldn't even be in there, let alone broke down in there. Somehow I get the boat started again, one engine, and we make a plan. Todd's going to keep his radio on, but he's going to keep on going and get to Turtle Bay. And I'm going to get into Turtle Bay and we're going to get in there and figure out what's wrong with the boat. We finally get in there about two and a half hours after Todd was in there. We both grabbed the mooring balls. 
back when it was uh, Annabelle's and she sold, Ruben sold the fuel out there. God rest Ruben's soul. We get the boat taken apart. We find out it's something I can't fix. Todd can't fix it, even though Todd's like a magician that's fixing stuff. And I kind of can kind of fix stuff. We can't figure it out. Todd leaves. Let's uh, let a bunch of our buddies know that Dave's having problems and he's stuck in Turtle Bay. I spent three days in Turtle Bay and then somehow we get this thing running again and we take off and we're cruising down. We're going to right where this boardroom is setting right now. That is where we're going. It's called Santa Maria Bay. It's one of the most beautiful bays on the planet Earth. The ocean's flat, glassy, common there. You can usually look out, Todd, and you can see the giant swells while we're setting in there. It's yep. 20, 20 feet deep forever in there, gang. And the beach is powdered sugar, sand with big silk sand dollars the size of dinner plates all over the beach in there. It's just spectacular. That's where we're headed. I'm 90 miles from there at 8 o'clock at night, and the boat just stops running. No way to start it. No way to do anything. The boat stops running. We are in the middle of nowhere on our way to nowhere. And uh, I, for the first time in my career ever, my life, I had to start calling on the radio Mayday. So I set my alarm every 15 minutes. I would call Mayday. The Red Rooster 3, Andy Cates was down there and Bradley was on the first string. Those guys knew what was going on, but they were both in the beginning of their trips. They both said if there was a problem, it was going to be a uh, matter of life and death. They would come save me, but it, just keep doing what you're doing, and hopefully someone answers you. At uh, 11.30 at night on my May Day call, I get a call back. Greg DeStefano's anchored up about a half a mile behind where Todd is right now. That's a giant mountain. There's no reason in the world that the radio should be going through that mountain. He goes, Hanson, is that you? And I about fell out of my chair. I've been calling every 15 minutes for three hours trying to find somebody. And he goes, yeah, Manzer told me you were having some problems. We're going to get out of here in a few minutes. We'll see you up there in the morning. He drove 90 miles up. It came up, grabbed me, and towed me all the way back to Santa Maria, dropped my anchor in Santa Maria, and sat there for 16 days. And that's a story for when I have Dwayne Diego on. We'll get into the depth of that story. But I just <laughs> want to throw this in there. No water, no food. For 16 days, we were eating lobsters like they were apples. Todd's buddies on the pongas were coming out and checking on us and giving us some crabs and some lobsters and some fish, but we didn't have nothing. And yeah. we'll talk about more of that later. <laughs> yeah, that was Ralphie's favorite destination. You know, and I got the, the privilege of taking Ralphie to a lot of different places. I mean, gosh, the memories that we, we had together uh, from here to Central, almost Central America, uh, were just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I mean, we, we've done so many different things together, but I think the favorite place for Ralphie always in the back of his mind was Santa Maria Bay. And he didn't mind, you know, you guys, a lot of you, you may not think that, you know, Santa Maria Bay is Mag Bay, but we call it all Mag Bay, but true Magdalena Bay through Entrada around Belchers and into uh, a, uh, uh, the Bahia of Magdalena is a different place and 
it, it's nice, but it doesn't have all the things that we can do at Santa Maria Bay. So Santa Maria Bay is basically like this little bay on the outside of the island. So if you don't know this, uh, you know, the Puta Lazaro, all the way from Boca de Soledad, all the way to Entrada is one big island. It's humongous. And it's very narrow, very thin. If you can look at your chart, but it's one big island. And Santa Maria Bay is basically on the south end of that island. And uh, it gives real great protection, but it has some spectacular opportunities. In the mangroves, we can go in there and fish halibut. And one of Ralphie's favorite things was going, off, going in there in the dinghy. We'd, we'd throw the skiff in the water, grab a couple Rapalas or a couple swim baits, but the Rapalas worked, worked best. We'd go in there and we'd troll for halibut. And for a lot of you guys that have, that have never seen this, you know, we're trolling in like, you know, six feet to 15 feet of water and the halibut just absolutely climb on it. I think you've probably done it, Dave. And I, it was hard to get Ralphie to stop. You know, it's like, Ralphie, we've got enough because he loved these things, you know, and, and he just wanted to stack them like cordwood and eat every one of them. And the way that he prepared them is he would take them back to the boat and we'd head and gut them. And if they were too big, we'd, we'd cut them into chunks and, you know, they'd be all scaled and he would flour them and then he would fry them all. And man, they were just absolutely fantastic. But one of his favorite things to do, and it was sad in the last couple of years as his health declined, it was really difficult to get Ralphie in there and successfully take him halibut fishing because he, he really loved it. But outside of, of the anchorage there around Punta Hughes and inside the bay there, uh, Ralphie used to sit and, uh, and, and, and troll from, from next to me in the tender and count the different species. I mean, there was days where we'd have 14 different species from catching orange mouth uh, Corvina to having uh, you know, a variety of different snappers, uh, China masks, uh, Sierra mackerel, yellowtail. I mean, it was just an amazing variety of uh, trevallis, uh, uh, of fish that were in there, trigger fish, hog fish, and he just absolutely loved it. So it, it again went back to, you know, this thing that he just loved fishing. And one of the things that Ralphie gave us the opportunity to do, and I've got Eugene in here with me. Say hi, Eugene. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Dave, how you doing? Hey, Good buddy. Good to see you. Sorry one of the things that Ralph. he gave us the opportunity God, thanks, to do man. down there that that most guys didn't do is to fish that area how we wanted to fish it. Ralphie didn't care if we went out and caught, you know, a hundred marlin in a day. And, and by the way, on, on, on that picture right there uh, with Ralphie hooked up, Elliot, you can put the two guys up. That's, that's Ralphie and his buddy Lloyd. That, Lloyd came with us on just about every single trip that Ralphie did to Baja for at least a couple of weeks. Uh, Lloyd, uh, the one that's on the other side of Ralphie this last season, got a 432 pound blue marlin. And uh, that was on... Uh, Makaira 16 uh, on, on, on a rail rod. Uh, and he's 80, he was 81 years old, but, but on this particular trip right here on this day, right here, I think we released 32 Marlin for these two guys, you know, and, and Ralphie would always say, I'm not a snutter stinking Marlin, but, but he still loved fishing them. He loved catching them. But I think, you know, got to the point to where when we started getting multiples and they had to chase them around, he'd just hand them off to one of the crew but in his younger days, he'd run to the bow and pitch a bait. You know, he just absolutely loved it. 
but the way we fished mag bay wasn't just to go down there and fish marlin which so many of these these uh these operators and and captains and and owners want to do they just want to go down there fish marlin catch a few wahoo on the way down and then pop into cabo san lucas and party and then have somebody bring the boat home not ralphie not the boardroom what we did was we went down there we fished the ridge on the way down you know we fished the whole peninsula on the way down it had exceptional fishing like you were talking dave you know back in the days when we could fish cedros island you know we'd start off there fishing yellows and then you know punta san pablo we'd fish yellows and bottom fish and look for tuna and we'd start dorado and 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 wahoo fishing there as well we even catch wahoo all the way up you know outside of natividad and cedros but we'd fish the ridge down the first day if we had good weather we might anchor up or or sit on the chute to get two days out of it, stack up a bunch of Wahoo and then get into Santa Maria Bay. And then every day would be a different day. We'd, you know, we'd talk to Ralphie, like, Ralphie, what are you thinking? And Ralphie would say, you know what? Let's go grouper fishing tomorrow. All right, we go grouper fishing, go catch a bunch of grouper. Next day, Ralphie, I think we should go look for Dorado. We'd go Dorado fishing the next day. Hey, Ralphie, what do you think? Ah, it's a little bumpy. Let's stay in the bay. Let's go fish in the bay. We'd go, you know, throw hard baits and go mess around in the bay. We got to fish everything you could do, everything you could fish for, every way you could fish it. From bottom fishing to, to inshore coastal fishing, we did it all down there. And, and it was unique. Ralphie, he would just, he'd get on the boat, do the trip down with us. And then his plan was, we're, we're going to fish for 30 to 40 days. And we're going to just fish Mag Bay for 30 to 40 days. And then I'll get off the boat and go home and you guys can bring the boat home and we did that for the last five or six years and uh he just truly enjoyed it i mean the wahoo fishing was phenomenal the tuna fishing the marlin fishing the grouper well, fishing hold on a second i want to because you didn't really delve into this enough i yep. want to let everyone understand this look at todd and i when we're not driving boats for a living and Eugene same way when he's not working, you know what we want to do? We want to go fishing. And the thing is when you have an owner like Ralph, he's one of the owners that you can only dream of. Listen, we've all worked. Todd's been blessed. He's worked for some phenomenal fishermen, guys that love to fish and are, but they'd love to see us fish. Most of us have to work for owners that, uh, don't understand it. They, they don't understand the fishing thing. They're just, like you said, one dimensional. We want to go marlin fishing and we want to go partying. You, Eugene, every deckhand that's ever worked for you has been blessed with the fact oh. that Ralph allowed you to go fishing. Right. And, and that's something we don't get to do. 90% of the time, like I just ran a trip all the way up from Cabo to San Felipe and back. And I was on the boat for six are 14 days in some of the most fishiest water on the planet. And we were allowed to fish one day for four hours. So I understand what it's like to fish with Ralphie. And, and you guys were blessed that you got to have him on the boat. Or if he didn't go, he would tell you guys to take the skiff and go fish. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a lot of times he'd tell me and Eugene, you guys want to surf today, go surf. We'd be like, yeah, <laughs> we go. We'd go surf. You guys just want to go fish the skiff. I'm just going to hang out. And, you know, we'd go fish the skiff. But he always, he just, he just enjoyed, I think, even vicariously fishing next to us without even holding a rod sometimes. He just liked, you know, seeing the excitement that, that 
that we had achieved out of, you know, that type of situation and the climatic surprise of, of, you know, being able to catch all those different species and not just, you know, for a captain that goes down there and fishes Marlin, uh, you know, it's everything's behind the boat. You know, there's a little bit of stuff casting out in front of the boat, but the captain has to maneuver. You know, it's very rare that the captain gets down there and gets in the cockpit and gets to go fishing. Todd, Lori Ballinger was just on there. Did you see her? No. Right there. You see the question? Oh, you read what she's talking yeah. about? Yeah. yeah, thank you, Lori. I was very fortunate. Ralphie was he was exceptional. He was he was brilliant. That's Ralphie was brilliant. I'll jump in here, Dave. There's something as Todd brought it up, you know, and I've I've got seven trips down to Mag Bay. A lot of that was Marlin fishing with Billy and Dick on the gambler. Um to go when I would go and I'd fish with Ralphie in the back, I would fish a junk jig. And what a junk jig to me is, is, you know, the hard jigs, the anything with anything that anything's going to bite. Ralphie used to love the concept of the junk jig because we never knew what we were going to catch. And it was all light tackle. We weren't going to catch some trophy. We, you know, I, I got, I got a nice slime grouper on it last time we were down there. Other than that, you know, we're catching everything from the spotties in the bay to anything else. Ralphie just, loved the bend of the rod and the excitement of what could be coming up. And he, I think he honestly, as a true, you know, a lot of fishermen, especially with the resources Ralph had, he could have gone anywhere in the world and fished for any one species. Ralphie just loved the game of fishing. He loved, he loved, you know, some of my best nights with Ralph were just when we were out hoop netting, um, you know, just because how much, how much is that net going to clap on the way up, you know? And, and, and how much, you know, are we going to get on the cod spot where it's just, you know, pick up, you know, a couple cod real quick, you know, for dinner. And, and, and you know, my whole deal was gill them, gut them, scale them. We were frying them whole because that's the way Ralphie liked to eat that stuff. And I was so fortunate to come in and meet Ralph in the latter part of the couple of years working with Todd and Travis and being on this boat, you know, coming from other boats in this thing and in the last decade. You know, I'd never had anybody treat me with the kind of respect Ralph did. You know, I'm just a deckhand. You know, I'm, I got my hundred ton, you know, I'm just a deckhand, man. Yeah. I don't wear an ego about this stuff. And Ralphie treated everyone, even keeled. He yeah. didn't care. He didn't care who you were. You could have every Marlin tournament trophy on the wall. He didn't care. You know, he was the guy that loved the Pongaros. He was the guy that didn't he treated them the same way he treated us he a level of respect all the way across the board ralphie wasn't a man that it didn't matter how much money he had he still had love and respect for everyone and love and respect for the game of fishing i've been so fortunate to spend the couple years i've spent with with todd and ralph and i mean i've done panama to san diego i never had more fun than what i did when I did those Mag Bay trips with Ralph and fishing tight here, we got out and we got on some of those big bluefin the last couple of years. I mean, I've just had amazing adventures with an amazing man and I'm going to miss him. Yeah. You know, yeah, that was it. That was my fish. Ralphie said, that one makes too much noise. Eugene, pull that thing. You know, so that was, that was me and Ralphie and Travis right there. And yeah. uh, that fish weighed uh, skosh over 200 pounds. Yeah. He was so happy that day. I think by the end of that trip, we ended up with limits. We were just knocking them 
Yeah, we, we left them biting. We left them biting. It was a lot of fun that day. You know, one of the things that was really unique about Ralphie, you can just see in the pictures here, look how he's dressed. You know, there's there, he's not wearing a $25,000 watch. He's not wearing a, a $150 shirt. He's wearing a pair of Fishwork shorts that, that he asked me, hey, can you get me some shorts from Lawrence? <laughs> you betcha. Uh, Ralphie, one of, it, one of my favorite stories with Ralphie, and by the way, I'll tell a story about this fish here in a minute, but one of my favorite stories with Ralphie was the Crown Royal watch story. So Ralph was a very simple man, but very successful and, 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 and because of his success, you know, a very wealthy man. But he wore this watch that he would brag about. Instead of wearing a $25,000 Rolex, or another name brand that you can think of. Ralphie wore a watch that he got in a box of Crown Royal. <laughs> he was proud of that watch because it cost him nothing but the Crown Royal that he got to drink and enjoy. And he wore that watch for a long time. He, he drove the same vehicle. He didn't have a car garage full of cars. He had one car because that was all he needed. He didn't need to show off everybody, to everybody everything he had. What was... What was so brilliant about Ralph is 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 the fact that we we all knew that he was able to show off, but he didn't. He was just amazing in that way. I mean, like Eugene was saying, the the guys in the fish camp, you know, the 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 Pongaros down there. Our our friend Marcos, there's a picture Elliot of Ralphie, me, and Marcos and a marlin hanging. Marcos is a is a fifth generation lobster fisherman out of santa maria bay actually he's out of lopez mateo marcos is famous down there with passing boaters from sailboaters at baja or fishermen coming down on their yachts and fishing if you pulled into santa maria maria bay you've probably met marcos or you've met one of his boys the first time i met marcos I, my first son was a, about three years old and his first son was about three years old. Uh, he now has Peter, Alex, uh, Marcos Jr. and Frank. Those are his four boys. I have Tanner or Shane, Tyler, Tanner and Van, my four boys. Uh, there's, there's Marcos. Marcos. There's, there's Marcos, Marcos in, the, in the middle. Compa. So Marcos was the kind of guy that, you know, he would show up out at the bay while you're anchored. He would come and offer you, you know, would you be like some lobster? Would you like, you know, uh, some shrimp? Can I get some water from you? Guys, if you go to Santa Maria Bay or Mag Bay and these, pong these pongaros come up to you and ask for water and you have a water maker, fill them up because they can take a 55-gallon drum of water and live off it for two weeks. And they don't have water there. That they're, They depend on you guys coming in there and helping them out with that water. And if you do... They'll do anything for you. You you've just you've gained a friend and you've gained a security guard for your boat while you're there. There's that 432 pound blue marlin we caught. Um, so Lloyd, all the way to the right, uh, was the angler on this. What a, it, this was a great day. We we we've been fishing the the ridge, tons of, of dorado, uh, a few yellowfin. Uh, we picked away at the wahoo, and as we got to the bottom of the ridge, the water was just purple 
but we'd been seeing all this bait and all this Dorado everywhere. And I told Eugene and Travis, I had them. Uh, all right. It was just Eugene. Hayden, Hayden. It was Hayden. It was yeah. Eugene and Hayden. And I told you, Hayden's taking this picture. He wanted to be in that picture. I told him, I said, Hey, listen, go ahead and put out a little spread of blue Marlin lures, put out that, that, that Zucker five, five guacamayo. I always guacamayo. get bit on that. And then put out, you know, a couple others. And I think they only got, two of the lures I, out i only got just the guacamayo yeah. out. i was putting the other one out when that thing bit and that thing just exploded on it you know it was like the perfect read of the conditions in the water it just looked like blue marlin water and anyways normally we release these fish uh but there were circumstances uh the the covid pandemic has these these guys in these fishing communities uh you know starving marcos and his family who we're talking about uh, the hurricane, they, just, the went hurricane just went through and wiped out all their houses. They were flooded. They had nothing, no electricity, no nothing. And my angler is 81 years old. So we decided to boat this fish. We called Marcos and told him we've got food for the whole family. And so we actually, we, we boated this fish and cut it up and fed, uh, probably about 30 people, uh, for quite some time. This, this really helped them out a lot. So this fish went to a very good place. It was, it served a great purpose. It was a great harvest. Um, look at the beard on me. Boy, I can grow a beard, man. Look like Santa Claus there. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah there he is. that fish was coming up also too. It was, yeah. it was on, it was on the tired side. It, it ripped on that. It, it, it bit an, an Okuma, like Todd was saying, a sixteen. Yeah. And uh, it ripped it almost. I, I had to put a lot of work back into that thing to get the spool back on, just pounding the line back on because yeah. that fish ripped all the way to the knot. And uh, we ended up with Lloyd in a fighting chair in the corner and um, ended up that fish came up and, and on the leader, you could tell she was tired. And yeah. It was, it was just going to be a great thing to feed everybody down there with that fish. And that that's a fish I'll, I'll never forget the, the group of us right there and what we did with that fish. We helped, we helped clean that fish down and I could see just the elation and the relief on Marcos, Marcos Jr. And Frank, um, that their families were going to be fed from that fish and, and that that fish was going to really stretch a long way. And, and that fish is a very special fish to me. That's, that's, that's one of the last real go gets and the adventures that I speak of that I had with Ralphie and, and Lloyd and, um, and Todd, you know, and Hayden, that was, that was a day I'll, as an angler of a lot of stories. I'll never forget that one. So that right there, that picture that I, as I went through my photos, that is the very last picture. Now the last one, that's the very last picture that I have of Ralphie. Uh, so on this trip here, Ralphie had already been diagnosed uh, with two types of cancer. He had ocular melanoma and kidney cancer. And prior to this trip, he had had one of his kidneys removed. And two days before this trip, Ralphie was undergoing chemotherapy he was a tough son of a gun, man. And against everybody's, you know, a judgment, Ralphie wanted to go to Mag Bay. He wanted to go. And he said, I'm going to have chemo and take me about two days to, to recover. And I want to go to Mag Bay. Uh, and so we planned the trip and we cautiously, you know, made sure that everything was going to be hunky dory for him. But we did cut the trip a little bit short. And, uh, and brought Ralphie back for the first time in, since 2005. Well, actually going back further because we had the Mirage down there, uh, 2002. 
first time Ralphie had ever done the trip north. As, uh, his health on that trip, uh, it, it, it diminished a little bit. He, was, he wasn't doing too good at the time, uh, probably from the medication and the chemo. And he told me that it would be best if we got him home on the boat rather than trying to get him to an airport. So Ralphie did the trip home. We made it home from Mag Bay in less than 50 hours. And we definitely had a fish god on our side because it was pretty bitching weather. We planned it out pretty good. I think we had to kind of tuck for a minute or two, but uh, it wasn't very long. And we were able to really just kind of smoke hole it uh, all the way home and got him home. He got medical attention and, and, uh, and, and they helped him out. He, he did pretty good uh, for a while uh, until this last week here, unfortunately, when we lost him. But Ralphie was, he was that kind of guy. He was a, he was, he was a tough, tough dude. I mean, he didn't let things, you know, slow him down. We had, we had a trip on here when we first got the boat and we were fishing Catalina Island and uh, I can't remember where we were. I want to, I want to say we were up by like Empire Landing or something back before the uh, MLPs. And uh, so I might've been Yellowtail Point or something, but anyways, uh, I stopped the boat. We anchor up. I can't remember. I think Chris Delaney was the deckhand. We throw some bait out and the yellows come up foaming and the bonita are in there. And it's just, and Ralph comes flying out of the salon door and slips and breaks his leg. He uh, breaks his fibula and his tibula just above his ankle. We got to go, Ralphie. We got to get you in. Oh no. He would not let me take him in. He made us finish the trip. And I just couldn't believe it. By the time I got back here, his personal assistant, Jimmy's personal assistant, Terry Donnelly, uh, had a wheelchair waiting for him at the dock. And then I drove him uh, to the hospital. He wouldn't go to a hospital. He says, oh, I'm not going to the hospital. They'll make me wait there for hours. I took him to urgent care. <laughs> and then he ended up having to have surgery. But he was just tough. You know, he didn't want to slow anybody down or miss out on anything because, you know, of any ailment. He was just, he was just tough that way. He was tough all the way to the end. Uh, but, you know, like going back to talk about, you know, how friendly he was and how, how wonderful of a man he was. Marcos, who was in that picture holding that marlin, the reason why Mar Marcos caught that marlin that day was because Ralphie says, hey, you know, Marcos has never caught a fish on a rod and reel. He's only caught fish on hand lines. We need to take him out and let him catch a fish on a rod and reel. And now Marcos has probably eight or nine rods and reels that we've given him over the years. And all he does is rod and reel. He don't hand line no more. <laughs> but nice. that, was, that was Marcos first marlin on a rod and reel uh with with me and ralphie they mark uh, ralphie would invite the entire romero family out on the boat it was it was so warm and loving we'd be in santa maria bay and i'd have two or three pongas tied up behind the boat there'd be five or six you know seven other yachts out there parked and i i know that everybody was always like man i wish we had that you know i wish i wish that's what we were you know, able to have, you know, have those guys in the camp so close and, and just such family with us. I could use Marcos Ponga anywhere I wanted to go. I fished everything. I, I mean, the amount of information that I got from Marcos and his family and learning how to fish grouper down there and learning how to fish all these different spots, it was priceless. And, and it, it was just, it was because of Ralphie, you know, Ralphie said, Hey, you know, let's, Let's invite them on. Let's invite them for dinner. I mean, the dinners we had on the boat together with all these with all these families down there, 
were just incredible. It made me and Eugene work our butt off because we'd fish from <laughs> six o'clock in the morning, you know, putting baits out, doing whatever we were doing, making sure everybody was happy while, you know, making sure the laundry was done, the toilets were clean, the water maker was running, lunch, breakfast, and then get home, get everything processed, get everything put down, and then have a family of nine show up on the boat after <laughs> dinner, dinner. Dinner for 15. <laughs> But we would do that for Ralphie. I'd do anything for Ralphie yeah. to he have him happy. He appreciated it. He yeah. he just loved having everybody there. He loved that camaraderie. Family. That family. You know, he just he just a unique, wonderful, loving person. So this trip right here, this is Ralph's son Jason. Uh, Ralph would have his son fly down. We'd pick him up in, in Loretto and when Marcos would pick him up. And uh, and drive him to either San Carlos or bring him all the way to uh, Santa Maria Bay, and then we put him on the boat. And I, he just got to see some of the most exceptional fishing. We had the first time Jason came down there and fished, we had thirty-two striped marlin in one day. And he bought a friend that that he uh, that he that he uh, worked with. Uh, I think his friend who went from learning how to fish walleye somewhere in the in the uh, in the northwest to uh, to just absolutely knocking the piss out of the striped marlin. He just couldn't believe it. They were the only two anglers that day, and they ended up releasing 32 striped marlin. Look at the smile on Ralphie's face. It just, it says it all. Barefoot yes, in a pair of sweats. Yeah. Always <laughs> in a pair of sweats. Always uh, in a pair of sweats. Yeah, so, so Ralphie really, he allowed us to do so many different things on this boat that you don't normally see in an operation. So in 2011, Jim Peterson and Ralph Brandy allowed me to take the boardroom from being their private boat where they fished Marlin and, and at Marlin tournaments and traveled and did all these exceptional destination fishing trips to allowing me to build a business for myself and for my family uh, boardroom fishing charters and we turned uh, the boardroom into a luxury six-pack charter boat and became very successful in our operations through Dana Worth Sport Fishing here in Dana Point, California. Uh, if you're interested, we are still operating. Uh, at, you can go to danawarf.com, go to charters, and you can see the, the boat's profile and uh and come out fishing with us uh ralphie's legend will his legacy will live on uh there's dana Worf, uh, website right here uh we'll get you right to the page here go to charters to private charters and then scroll down and then upper right hand yeah you go back upper right hand corner there nope. you are no nope. that's, the so that's another great boat Go up a little more. Oh, why am I not there? Go back. Go. There I am. There, there it is. Go. So this is the boat here. Shows the interior, I think, in here too. It's pretty neat uh, layout on this boat. And we try to we try to make sure that the boat is, uh, you know, something exceptional for our our passengers, whether you come out and do a half day, you know, fishing trip, or you do an all day fishing trip with us, we try to make sure that it's your best day on the water. We provide 
drinks and beverages or snacks and beverages on our half day trips. And we provide all meals on our all day trips, breakfast, lunch, snacks, beverages, bring your own alcohol. If you like to drink, you may know this may not Dave and I and Eugene do not drink as we've chosen that for us drinking doesn't agree with us. And so we've, uh, we've eliminated that from our bodies for quite some time now, but you can bring your own alcohol on the boat. You can go to DanaWorth.com, talk to Manny or anybody that answers the phone and see what our pricing is. Uh, but Ralphie allowed this to happen. I mean, this was, this was Ralphie and Jimmy uh, Peterson that allowed this to happen. And they, they allowed me to continue building up this reputation that I have today, for lack of a better word. Uh, they kept Todd Manser's name going. I mean, I went from, you know, being this guy that did a lot of tournament fishing, very successful to a guy that, you know, was sword fishing, was very successful to a guy that was, uh, you know, private fishing successfully to a guy that was in the sport fishing charter boat industry very successfully. And it, it's just, he's never held me back. You know, Ralphie let me do, you know, everything that I needed to do to have quality of life for me and my family. Uh, I'm the director of education for the Graywell Foundation and Ralphie, you know, he's, he saw the importance in that. Today, I had 110 students out on the water that through the Graywell Foundation, myself, Dave Hansen and Corey Hall founded, allows, allows students to come out with no cost to the taxpayer or the school and not only study uh, in the classroom, but have a field trip out on the water to see whales and dolphins. Today, we had a megapod of common dolphins and a wonderful gray whale that was literally right outside the mouth of the harbor here uh, on its northbound migration. He allowed me to do that. He allowed me to speak at events. He allowed me to, you know, tell him I've got to take four days off because I'm going to, I'm going to be working at a, at a, at the PCS show. You know, he was that kind of guy that, that understood uh, the importance of who I was and hold on and one second. Take. Yeah. Hold on. Another thing that Ralph did and, and uh, Roy Patterson just brought this up. Todd is a cowboy, but we are uh, captains. We're fishermen. We don't have any money and we didn't take care of our financials when we were young. So we didn't have a phenomenal amount of credit and the chance of us owning a home, or owning a little ranch and having horses and all that would not have ever been possible without the love of Ralph. Yeah. Those guys propped you up and allowed you to be the best cowboy you could possibly be by buying, helping you buy your home. Yep. Right. Absolutely. They, 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 they paved the way. Like I was saying earlier, I went through 20 years of photos and in between every photo of Ralphie, was my life and every bit of my life in this last 20 years has been exceptional because of Ralph. It, it just, you know, his friends, I talk to Rob Bogelsang a lot. Rob Bogelsang is like family to me. He's, he's like Jim Peterson. They, they, they're, they, they have looked at me like, like a family member, not like an employee or, or, a charter captain or, or just even a friend. They've looked at me like you do, Dave, you and I are brothers. I mean, I was conceived in your bedroom, just so you know, uh, <laughs> true story, by the way, guys, 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's for another story. Uh, but they, you know, they every picture that I looked at was because of Ralph and 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 these guys and the way that they propped me up and and helped me through everything. I mean, I right now I have my two youngest sons, Van and Tanner. By the way, Tan, Van just passed his driving test this morning. Yay! Van's Woo! a legal driver. He's been so stressed out on that. But Van has a Van is sixteen years old. He's my youngest son. And he has a 4.5 GPA. What was our GPA in high school, Dave? Uh, <laughs> we what? didn't even know. We Go to high care. school. What was that? <laughs> hey, Wild <laughs> Willie wanted to say something. You see that? Yeah. Afternoon, Dave and Cap Todd. Miss them days with Ralph. I gave my son one of the reels that you got from him. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, you know, Ralph is just, he was extremely generous. You know, he was the kind of guy that say, he would say, Todd, you know, the better I do, the better everybody else does. I want to give back to my friends and my family. Uh, you know, I'm a charitable man, but I see that it's better placed over here with you guys than over here in somebody that I don't know. And that's just the way he was, you know, and if, and if, a, and if a reel or a rod or or something financially can help somebody out that he knew he was the kind of guy that would do that. You know, he just, he was just, he was just absolutely generous and, and just such a wonderful guy, you know, but yeah, he's, he allowed me to become a cowboy. Now Tanner and Banner, you know, they're growing up. Shane's running a boat called the, uh, the, well, he's on, he's got the four aces and now he's on the seven thunders. They, he still has both boats an 80 foot Bertram and a 72 or 73 Choi Lee. Uh, so Shane kind of followed in my footsteps. I don't think he's as passionate for fishing, but he has a love for, for working on boats and operating boats and mechanically taking care of boats. He's, he's very gifted at that. Uh, my second son, Tyler's going to be 32 uh, on April 15th tax day. Don't forget to do your taxes. Uh, and you never forget when your son's born on April 15th, uh, what day it is. Uh, Tyler is a successful, uh, uh, pool, uh, business owner. He's, he works for, for somebody, but he also has his own, uh, part of the business where, uh, he has a pool cleaning company, uh, pineapple pools and Tyler's doing very well. Both Shane and Tyler, uh, traveled all over with Ralphie. He took them both. He took both Shane and Tyler when they were little kids and they got to see everything that I got to see, they got to go to Puerto Vallarta. They got to go to Mazatlan. They got to go to Mag Bay. They got to fish the Ridge. They got to go to Cabo. And that was because of Ralphie. He, he, he allowed me to bring my family and, and show them these things. And he, he, he was just such a, 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 you know, wonderful, you know, generous man in that aspect of, of being very family orientated and, and uh, I'm going to miss him. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do without him, to be honest with you. The next chapter of my life, I know is going to be a great chapter. Um, but I, it's, it's, you know, it's like, if you look at my book cover, it's a great book to read. I, I have a great book cover, but I don't know what chapter 20 is going to look like. Chapter 19 was pretty awesome. And I'm hoping chapter 20 is going to be pretty, pretty awesome too. Uh, but 
I know that the things that Ralph has taught me and the opportunities that he has given me, the charter boat industry, the, the commercial industry, the, the private boat industry, uh, and the way that Ralphie allowed me to express myself and, and just be Todd Manser, I'm sure will carry me through to chapter 20. I believe okay. it will. Yeah. I think you're going to be just fine, my friend. Once, yeah. We're going to wrap this up here. We've been going for an hour solid here. But uh, real quick, there's still an opportunity for all of you to go fishing with Todd. And plus, Todd has a phenomenal business where he helps you to make sure that your boat is in tip-top shape. So when you and your family come down to use it, it actually is going to work. So Todd has that going. He has the boardroom going. And he has his deal with the cetaceans, which are the whales and the dolphins. But uh, gang, if you want to get a hold of Todd, he answers his phone. He gets about a million phone calls a day, though. But he'll do his very best. If you need something done on your boat, you give Todd a call. If you want someone to maintain and you don't have to worry about it, when you come down, you just turn the key and start your boat and drive it out. Todd has that business. He's available for consultation, whatever you need. You give Todd a call, and it, and he's not going to slow down just because he lost his mentor of his life. Ralph would be pissed if yeah. he stopped. <laughs> if he just stopped and started sucking your thumb and being, he would be like, "What's wrong yeah. with you, kid? Yeah, you butt back out there and go hey, do this." You here's you Ralph's go, favorite he, line: "Stop stressing over things you have no control over, Todd." <laughs> That's what you tell me. Stop stressing over things you have no control over. I can't control Ralph not being here. So right. what I can control is what I'm going to do next. So guys, David's right. If you guys need anything like that, the exceptional thing about having me consulting you or doing some things uh, that maybe improve the maintenance of your vessel is my network. If you've learned anything from listening to David and I on your saltwater guide is that I have a network that is surpassing just about anybody I know. So when you go to call somebody to fix something on your boat and you get put on the back burner, calling me helps you get to the front of the line. So we get your stuff done as fast as we can. Our network of people that we deal with to make sure that your boat is ready to go. So you're not going to miss that next bluefin bite. So your family's not going to miss that next trip to Catalina. So you can go out there and watch the sunset while you look at dolphins and whales see the saddle consulting boardroom fishing charters and captain Todd Manser has got your back. So guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, my boss, Ralph Brandy was more than a boss. He was my, my best friend. He took exceptionally good care of me and my family. It was the hardest thing to do. I didn't even say goodbye. I said, Ralphie, I'm going to call you when you feel better and we'll go fishing. And I walked out of the hospital. That was the last thing I said to him. Because it's not goodbye forever. It's just goodbye for now. So, thanks, Dave. I love you, Todd. Love, love you, too. Thank love you guys for being on the show today, guys. We're going to leave everybody with that. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to the stories from Eugene and Todd. And uh, try to turn off the news. They're all lying to you. Watch this. Share this story with your friends. And, take your uh, kids will, fishing. <laughs> and take your kids fishing. And we'll have another good show for you on Monday. We're going to be talking with Jimmy Kingsmill about binoculars. I'm going to be over on his boat. We're going to do the show from his boat to, 
on Monday. So check out Jimmy Kingsmill. Todd and I both get our binoculars from Jimmy. And thank you, Eugene. And thank you, Todd, for making me cry. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Dave. Got to thank Ralphie for it. <laughs> yep. Uh, there you go. Little plethora of pictures. Good old Ralphie. Good old Ralphie. <laughs> All right, guys. Sunny day on the yeah. boardroom, he would say. <laughs> All right. Care, See you later, guys. Thank Take you. Care, gang.